0: A treatise or sermon of Henry Bullinger concerning magistrates and obedience of subjects by Henry Bullinger. War is a thing pertaining to the sword which is given of God to the magistrates. For so I declared in my last sermon that this sword in the magistrates' hands hath two uses, other to punish trespassers or else to repel and destroy our open enemies with all such other like rebellious and seditious citizens and subjects whatsoever they be. But here cometh a doubt in many men's heads whether it be lawful for magistrates to keep war. And I marvel that men can be so blind in a thing so evident, for if it be lawful for magistrates by God's law to punish trespassers, thieves, and murderers, whosoever annoyeth the commonwealth, whether they be few or many, That is no matter, as I declared to you yesterday, by the same law likewise. Is it lawful for them to invade and pursue with arms rebels and seditious citizens, or any, for any enemy, whosoever intend the same, by the color of war, that thieves and murderers to practice within the realm? Truth it is, that the divine prophet saith prophesying of us Christian men, they shall turn their swords to mattocks and their spears to scythes, for christian men keep peace with all men and utterly avoid all fighting for so do they to other as they would be done to themselves but for because all men be not of one nature but many perturbers wicked murderers and oppressors be mixed amongst honest and quiet citizens as cruel wolves amongst simple sheep therefore doth god permit from heaven the sword to the magistrates for the defence of the innocents neither is it ever read in any place but that we lawfully may oppress and destroy wolves boars bears and all such beasts which be noisome to men or cattle and why then is it not as lawful with war and violence to withstand the wicked force of violent murderers seeing that all such murderers robbers barbarous enemies seditious citizens do little or nothing differ from wild beasts certes the scripture calleth them with no name than beasts To this also agreeeth the common sense of nature. Here, too, also the doctrine of religion and faith agreeeth. If it be possible, saith the apostle, so much as in you lieth, have peace with all men, revenging not yourselves. Note, so much as in you, he saith, and if it be possible, for, or else it followeth after, that the magistrate beareth not a sword for naught as who should say, for such manner of persons as do malign and disquiet, honest and quiet men, which would fain live in rest and cannot? Here, too, also agree the examples of the most holiest men that ever were, which did war for the defence of their country and of innocence, as I declared to you out of St. Paul to the Hebrews, when I showed you in the fifth commandment what duty every man owes to his country, here, too, will I annex certain places out of St. Augustine, disputed against Faustus Manichaeus. 51.20.100.75 Neither yet, saith he, let a man abhor or marvel at the battles done by Moses, for in them also he followed God's commandment, not for any eagerness, but for obedience' sake. For when he was enforced thereto by God, he exceeded not in rigour, but only recompensed things worthy to men's deserving, and brought fear upon such as were well worthy for what thing can a man reprove in wars because men do die which must die once whereby peace may follow to put blame in this is not a sign of religious men but of timorous persons the pleasure in hurting outrageous in revenging an unplacable stomach wild rebelling greediness to get dominion and such like these be they which be worthily reproved in war and not only reproved but also punished Against the violence of our adversaries, good men may rightfully war, either by God's law or by any commandment of superior powers, being in such vocation, where their powers either commandeth any such thing, or bindeth them to obedience. Or else St. John Baptist, when the soldiers came to him to be baptized, asking what they should do he might have answered them again, cast away your harness, renounce your warfare, strike no man, wound no man, overthrow no body. But because he did see them in doing these things in warfare, to be no murderers but ministers of the law, neither revengers of their own injuries but defenders of public wealth, he said to them, strike no body, wrangle with no man, be content with your own stipend. But because the manichees be wont to despise and blaspheme John, Let them hear our Lord Jesus Christ himself commanding the same stipend to be given to Caesar, which John advertised the soldiers to be content with all. Give unto Caesar, saith Christ, the things which are Caesar's, and unto God those things that are God's. For therefore be tributes paid, whereby wars may be waged, and soldiers maintained for necessity of war. So he doth worthily also commend the faith of the centurion, saying, And I am a man set here under powers, having under me soldiers, and I say to him, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doth it. We see he commendeth this faith therefore, but he biddeth him not to forsake the wars. Hitherto also pertaineth the chapter following, seventy-five and seventy-six, etc. But here I am content to spare you, and not to overburden you with too prolix reciting of sentences. Thus much have I spoken hitherto, for that that it is lawful for magistrates to war and upon this we gather that subjects likewise may lawfully and without reprehension go and fight in warfare when they be commanded by the magistrates so to do. But if it be so that the magistrates' causes do set upon to slay the innocents and unguilty persons, I have declared in my former sermons, in this case the magistrates' commandments are not to be obeyed. Therefore let the magistrates take heed, lest they abuse their authority, and although it be lawful for the magistrates to keep war for just and necessary causes, yet is war a most dangerous thing, and bringeth with it heaps of infinite troubles. And thus be such men punished diverse times, whom no gentle admonition can move, albeit many innocent persons, where such be punished among. Now many times it happeneth that soldiers forget themselves and break all good order, provoking the mighty anger of God upon their heads, what kind of mischief is in all the world, but it is used in war, or what kind of misery is there that is not here first by war springeth dearth and scarcity of all things for the ways be stopped, the torn trodden down, towns set on fire, victual destroyed and wasted, all occupations and merchandise cease, both rich and poor, decayeth in war, the most valiant, soonest destroyed, the towards they retire and save themselves whilst greater afterclaps do fall upon them. the most vile ruffians most advanced which abuse men more like beasts than other all is full of mourning on every side widows bewail fatherless children lament and be destitute great riches provided for need to come clean spoiled whole cities set afire virgins and unmarred maidens defiled all shame all honesty set aside no reverence to age all manner of right all manner of right all laws unregarded all holy religion and studies clean underfoot Vile vagabonds and desperate dravels rule all the toast, and therefore in Scripture war is called the scourge of God. This scourge doth God lightly infer upon incurable and obstinate despisers of his word. For this cause was the city of Jerusalem subverted with all the whole nation of the Jews. For as the Lord saith, they did not know the day of their visitation, but rather they did shed the blood of the Lord's apostles. So bringing upon their own heads all the blood shed from first Abel the just unto Zachariah. The Canaanites, for murder, idolatry, incest, and for abominable lechery, were utterly devastated. The Moabites, as Isaiah saith, perished for their cruelty and clemency and proud despisings of the poor. The Ninevites did infest other nations with unjust wars, wherefore they were served in like measure. Again, of other countries, as we read in the prophet Nahum, Micah, in the sixth. Chapter declareth that God sendeth war to the unjust for their avarice and fraud using. In Jeremiah, arrogancy and pride, in Isaiah, riotousness, excess, and drunkenness are noted to be the causes of war. Furthermore, the incommodities of war do cleave so hard to realms and public weals that they cannot afterwards be removed or shaken off when we would, neither by human policy, nor leagues, nor riches, nor defence, strength, nor power, as we may see in Obadiah. Only the sincere and hearty conversion to God remedies this, as Jeremiah, in the fifth chapter, do testify. This true conversion to God standeth first in the confession and knowledge of our own wickedness, then in a severe faith to have remission of our sins by grace and merit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, in a perfect hatred and renouncing of cure-former iniquity, in study of justice, innocency, charity, and all other virtues, finally in continual prayer and oration. Again, to some a man shall see war bringeth much profit, utility, and innumerable riches, with no damage or little at all. Such was the battle of the Israelites against the Canaanites, Joshua being their captain. I would not hear the commodities of war, should allure any from justice and equity, for so many times it happeneth, that while magistrates think to have a just occasion to war against other and to punish offenders, God, of his privy justice, returneth the same occasion upon themselves in provoking them, whereby their sins may be punished of them whom they intend to persecute. Examples we have manifest in scriptures. The eleven tribes of Israel proclaimed most just war against the Benjaminites thinking to revenge the wicked fact committed by certain lewd lossels, with which lossals, the whole tribe took part, communicating with their ungraciousness. Yet were they put to the worst and foiled of the wicked sort. The Israelites went about to expel the violence of the idolatrous Philistines under Eli, their priest. Yet were they overthrown in battle, and the ark of God carried away into the cities of idolaters. So the good king Josiah was slain of the Chaldeans, because the intent of God was to scourge the people with such evils, which he would not the good king to behold nothing so deserving. Whereupon this note is to be learnt, that the verity of religion goeth not by the victory of any nations, or by overthrow, as though the religion were the better, whose part had the upper hand, and the worst religion, whose part had the worst. For religion always must be sequestered from the person and respect of men, which for diverse causes be diversely visited of the Lord. All these things admonish us. The magistrates had need of much, and great fear of God, in taking up, or in laying down their wars, lest perchance in flying the smoke they fall into the fire, or, while they study to eschew one harm by eschewing thereof, do purchase to themselves many more and greater. Wherefore it is requisite that princes first before all things do thoroughly consider the causes of their wars, now there be many causes and sundry, but this likely the greatest. For other the magistrate is enforced, seeing his holds and muniments in his realm to be invaded with siege, then he must needs help and repulse his enemy. For it were too much unfaithfulness to forsake so disloyally his cities and fortress in such extreme peril. Or else the magistrate by reason of his office is constrained to attempt war against incurable persons whom the sentence of the Lord doth condemn, and biddeth to beat down utterly without all pity. So as Moses did war against the Midianites, Saul against the Amalekites, of this manner be all such kinds of war, wherewith men be oppressed, which by the uncurable malice of theirs will needs perish, and make others perish with them also, which reject all justice and equity, all set on mischief, and so stubbornly continue. Such were the Benjaminites, when they were destroyed with sword and fire, such be nowadays these obstinate and seditious traitors, troublers of public society, as was on Absalom and Seba the son of Borcas, which be mentioned in the second book of Samuel. Here too appertain also such wars achieved against idolaters and oppressors of Catholic faith, for true religion's sake. They be in a wrong dream, which think no war to be attempted for religion." The Lord restrained Peter striking with the sword. Truth, I grant, he restrained him as an apostle. He forbade not the magistrate the oversight of religion, but that he might defend the verity of our faith. If the magistrates may lawfully defend viler things, as liberty, goods, bodily honesty, and life, etc., how much more may he defend greater things, yea, which be the greatest things of all? For what can be greater than true religion? Upon this we have an express commandment of the Lord in Deuteronomy for the lord commandeth the city under what magistrate soever he be which defileth from god and his worship to let upon with war and utterly to be subverted if it be stubborn now if the magistrate so be commanded to war against them that do deceiver from him verily then it is not unlawful to rescue the church by war in case any barbarous prince come upon it with open war to seduce it from true religion to error Joshua went about to expunge the Reubenites only for an altar erected against the word of God. Judas Maccabeus doth fight for the people of God against the Gentiles and King Antiochus, his soldiers, whose purpose was to vanquish the Jews' religion, which then was only true, and to place in the stead of it superstitious Gentilite. So Paul doth commend the captains, which through faith withstood the incursions of foreign enemies. And Paul himself had a conflict in Cyprus against Elymas, a false prophet, whom he also stroke with blindness, and his reason followeth that he did it for religion's sake. Wilt thou not cease, saith he, to subvert the straight ways of the Lord? against the same paul there were fourteen men conspired which thought that if he were taken out of the way a great part of christ's religion were abolished and their judicial religion set up again but paul here playeth not the sheep nor turneth not the other cheek to them but was earnest and solicitous to ask his defence and that not of a christian magistrate but a roman centurion neither showed he himself anything grieved thereat, when seventy horsemen and four hundred footmen were prepared for him in battle array to conduct him from Jerusalem to Antipadria. Thus was Paul the elect vessel preserved by an armed garrison of Roman soldiers. Concerning the Armenians, suffering great violence of Maximinus the emperor, Eusebius so writeth in his ecclesiastical history. Here there is a lacuna in the text. The Armenians, saith he, HERE THERE IS A LACUNA IN THE TEXT, A PEOPLE KIND AND FRIENDLY TO THE PEOPLE OF ROME, WHAT TIME THEY SHOULD BE CONSTRAINED OF MAXIMINUS THE EMPEROR TO CHANGE THE STATE OF CHRISTIAN RELIGION TO THE WHICH THEY WERE ALL GIVEN TO, INTO WORSHIPPING OF IDOLS, AND TO VENERATE DEVILS FOR GOD, BEING HIS. HERE THERE IS A LACUNA IN THE TEXT, BEFORE WAXED HIS GREAT ENEMIES, AND OF THEIR OWN ACCORD, TOOK UPON THEM WITH OPEN MIGHT OF WAR TO WITHSTAND HIS WICKED CONSTRAINMENT, AND SO KEPT HIM HARD this saith eusebius therefore the magistrates may lawfully defend their subjects and true religion against idolaters or else another cause is which is much like some foreign and barbarous adversary doth fly upon thy subjects doth spoil them and invadeth them as the cruel wolves do the sheep when Not only thou hast not provoked them with any injuries, but moreover hast offered them right reasonable conditions of peace, there nought the magistrate to stirt like a lion to preserve his people against the assaults of such malicious murderers. Example we have of Moses fighting against the kings of the Amorites, Aradius, Sion, and Og. Example we have of King Jehoshaphat fighting against the Ammonites and inhabitants of Mount Seir. Example we have also in David, resisting against the Scythians, coming upon him with war. Fourthly, it is lawful for the magistrate to fight in the defense of his confederate friends and aiders, for why may not a magistrate be at confederacy and league with other nations, so it be not in matters against the word of God, in case they be justly oppressed with violence? So did Joshua deliver the Gibeonites from siege, and Saul, the cisterns of Jabesh-Gilead, warring against Naash, a prince of great tyranny, for which causes wars may lawfully be attempted of magistrates and princes, and the soldiers do well, which herein obey their powers, yea, and die gloriously, and in a good state, and in so dying for religion, for God's law, for their country, their wives, and children. Therefore all such as enter into war, and travail in the same, must not set their eye either upon filthy lucre, nor voluptuousness, as they lightly do when jeopardy is past. But justice, peace, public tranquillity, and the defence of truth and innocency must be all their mark, that they shoot at, so that the wicked sort being conquered, the victory got, and their enemies either repulsed or destroyed, true religion may flourish in judgment and equity, the church may flourish, divine laws, right institutes, and ecclesiastic ordinances may flourish, studies and good arts may prosper, the poor may be seen to, the widows and succourless children may be helped, that men may live in rest, may serve and praise God, both aged persons, chaste maidens, and honest matrons. To this mark ought all our eyes, both of mind and body, to be directed. These things had our valiant forefathers in their sight whensoever they made any war against the wicked for their ecclesiastic and public right, as Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, and other noble captains also our progenitors before us, to whom, and to all such other valiant soldiers, perpetual fame and lord ought to be given in the congregation of saints, but to the other towards, and sluggish soldiers, wicked, covetous, blasphemers, riotous and light ruffians, and betrayers, which by their sluggishness, riot, lechery, and impiety, destroy many noble realms nowadays, and many flourishing cities, to such be continual rebuke, and God himself, Hath cursed such wicked caitiffs for ever. Therefore, no war is lawful except it be against our adversaries and misordered rebellers. Unjust wars be such as be made against our own fellows, or men fatals, or in whom we see hope of amendment. Also, unjust wars be they which be not inferred after a due manner, or for any urgent cause. All manner of ways ought to be assayed first before we come to war you must not seek to take in other men's bonds or limits nothing pertaining to your right you must not oppress the liberties of other nations neither yet of your own such effects which seduce the mind are not here to be followed as greediness of dominion avarice desire of bribes envy or any such other like to these war is a remedy but dangerous a help but pernicious much like to the cutting off of members, in case thy hand be on fire, and so thy arm be in danger to be burnt, and afterwards the whole man likewise. Yet dost thou not cut away thy hand straightways, unless thou see, prolonging all manner of ways, no other help to be. So neither is war to be set upon, but where there is no other remedy. So yet that princes remember, they do nothing which after will be too late. For just wars be not repuning to God's word, insomuch that it describeth to us the laws of warfare and ministereth to us many goodly examples of wars of wise and worthy captains. In Deuteronomy 20 we have laws of wars profitable and necessary, so clear that they need no exposition. Many other common rules also we may gather out of Scripture, as this principally and above all things let religion be observed in the camp just laws no less ought to be kept in the midst of wars as in the midst of cities the soldiers let them keep them in due order with all honesty justice and holiness for this proverb is of the devil not of god that some do say in their arma enim silent leges laws keep silence in war the chief captain generally let him be chosen a godly man just holy valiant sapient and lucky as was joshua david judas maccabeus constantinus theodosius Maskelsa, and many other let there be appointed to him an army of tried men for in choosing of soldiers great circumspection is to be had that they be not a company of weaklings unskillful warriors unfaithful blasphemers wicked wretches drunken gluttons and beastly bellies Victory goeth not by the multitude of men, but by the grace of God and by godly soldiers. It is an old proverb, where is a multitude, there is confusion. Great and innumerable hosts do but cumber and destroy themselves. Experience and examples of the old time teach this sufficiently. Again, such warriors as will take no pain to be Lukeish lovers be greatly to be discommended. Therefore, let ever a Christian warrior be doing something, let him be courageous, faithful, painful, obedient to his captain, must never let slip occasion well practised in the fates of war, not tender but hard, not cruel and fierce, but grave and gentle, according as time doth serve. The thing that may be saved let him not destroy, but above all other, especially let him not forget continually to pray unto God, both in jeopardy and out of jeopardy. Let him begin all things in the Lord, and without the Lord let him attempt nothing. In misfortune he must not be discouraged. In prosperous success let him not be exalted, but give thanks to God, and use his victory with mercy. Let his victory only stand in God, and not in himself. Let him seek for nothing more than for defence of his country, of laws, of religion, of justice, and of innocence. Some here will marvel, I dare say, that I require these things of soldiers, which are wont in times past to be required of religious and professed men. As though soldiers were not also religious and professed to Christ, or as though only they may be profane and wicked, as indeed many of them be. But what fruits, I pray you, come of this side, we be overcome of Turks, we be a mocking-stock to all nations, whole kingdoms perish, and be subdued to Muhammad's law, and we be daily entangled in great perplexities, what manner of soldiers in time past were chosen to war out of the church of Christians, it appeareth by one memorable history of Tertullianus writing thus to Scapula. Marcus Aurelius, also warring in Germany, through the prayers of Christian soldiers made to God, obtained rain in great drought, and what droughts can any man say but were stopped through our prayers and fastings, Then they also which cried to their great God in the name of Jupiter did give testimony to our God. Thus much saith Tullian. The same history doth Eusebius also more largely express in his Ecclesiastic, Book 5, Chapter 5, saying, It chanced, saith he, Marcus Aurelius, the brother of Antonius the Emperor, had war with the Germans, and Sermitans, the story witness, that his host was in great danger for drought and dryness, and as he was consulting and seeking what to be done, he found certain Christian soldiers in the camp, which when they kneeled down, as our fashion is, and prayed to God, Suddenly, against all expectation, rain poured down, their thirst was quenched, their enemies driven away with lightning and fire. This same story is also written in the monuments of the Gentiles, but that it came by the prayers of Christians, they make no mention thereof, as which give little credence to all other miracles of Christian men, Tertullian, so doth write it plainly, to come by them. So doth Apollinarius, also a Greek which saith moreover that the same army for the great miracle showed in it was called of the lightning Fulminia by the emperor himself. Tertullianus addeth moreover that the epistle of Marcus the emperor was a broad, where in this miracle is signified more evidently. Thus much hath Eusebius, whereby we may see how Christian soldiers in time past not only were all bent to prayer, but also full of all justice and holiness of life. It is evident that St. James saith, The prayer of the just doth much avail. Elijah was a man as we be, and he prayed, and by the heaven gave rain, and the earth gave his fruit. Wherefore it is manifest that the old soldiers then were religious and devout men, but our soldiers, because they be far from all religion, yea, enemies to true religion, therefore instead of victories they bring away overthrows both of men and cities. And so the citizens be well and worthily served, for that they put their confidence in such wicked warriors, which is even as much as if they should put their confidence in very devils, whom these almost exceed in all filthiness, cruelness, and all wicked arts. Examples of holy and just war, of holy and just captains, we have abundant in the word of God, and almost innumerable. Abraham, our predecessor, armed with a small host, doth set upon four the most mighty kings or robbers of all the world, doth overthrow them and drive them away, restoreth his own men with their goods, giving thanks to God, the author of such an incredible victory. Moses with Joshua doth throw down about thirty and nine kings, doth punish wickedness sharply do place their people in their land promised of God. The judges of Israelites did keep worthy wars against the ethnics and infidels, and in them did assuage the tyranny of the wicked, with which tyranny they oppressed the children of God, and restored the people to their liberty and religion. Here cometh also Samuel, a worthy prophet, amongst the noble captains of God's people. Jonathan, the son of Saul, was a noble captain, a notable example of godliness. Who was ever a more excellent captain than David? He conquered the Philistines, the Ammonites, and the Syrians, and a great part of the East with his wars, both revenging injuries, restoring again liberty, and putting away innumerable evils from the people of God and yet he that did all this is called a man after god's own heart yea and the father of our lord jesus christ after the flesh in the posterity of david ye shall find notable warriors and singular captains abias asas jehoshaphat amaziah josiah hezekiah and many others judas maccabeus amongst all other is not the unworthiest which stood so valiantly for the laws of god for god's religion and for the people's right and at length was slain in asia for the religion and the people of god it needeth not to add hereto the examples of constantinus gratianus theodosius and other pure saint princes of these and such other st augustine in his book de civitate dei book five hath written abundantly and orosius likewise in his history fifty one seven from the twenty eighth chapter unto the end this i think sufficient for good magistrates Thus far I have entreated of war, how magistrates ought to use themselves, and concerning the use of the sword, whereof also I have spoken somewhat in my sermon upon the fifth commandment. These things being thus concluded, now we will discuss whether it be lawful for Christians to bear office or not, and especially for the occasion of certain furious Anabaptists, and new devisers of new-found commonwealths which all egg against us that it is not lawful for Christians to be magistrates, because Christians do not contend in the market, neither do kill any man, neither seek any their goods taken away, neither revenge their annuities. And although these places of theirs be answered unto sufficiently, yet I bring here succinctly certain arguments, whereby a politic, and Christian man, against the furious dreams of the Anabaptists, may understand, if he be called to office, that he may and ought to serve God well in keeping, and well using his office. For whereas they feign no manner of defence to be lawful by the gospel, they be far deceived, for the verity saith otherwise. For what things soever be ordained of God, to the health and safety of man, they be so seeming to a Christian man using them well, and applying himself thereafter, that if he refuse them, he is no true Christian. For the greatest charge of a Christian is to set forward with all industry the safeguard and wealth of men. Now the magistrate is ordained of no man but of God himself to the safeguard and protection of men. As expressly it is witnessed by the prophets and apostles, and Paul especially, at Romanus, chapter 13, Whoso doth not see, then, but a Christian may laudably bear the office of a magistrate. Furthermore, no man will deny, I think, that belongeth to every Christian man, to declare his faith not only with words, but with the works of justice and mercy, to see for the public peace and tranquillity, to follow justice and equity, to defend widows, the fatherless, and expressed. Neither ought he to neglect occasion, place, or any such means, whereby he may exercise such benefits upon his brethren. Therefore it is not unknown that a Christian may be a magistrate, for the office of a magistrate is to execute judgment and justice, and to maintain public peace. For it is out of doubt, and proved before that Moses, Samuel, Joshua, and David, and other more, are not to be excluded from the name of Christians, that seeing they were magistrates, why may not Christian men as well nowadays bear office? In the New Testament many noble men be commended, which were in rule and authority. Neither yet did they renounce their office because of religion, of Joseph of Arimathea. Thus we read in Luke, Behold, there was a man called Joseph, a centurion, St. Mark saith a senator, A good man and just, and he consented not to their counsel and doings, born in Arimathea a city of the Jews, which also did look for the kingdom of God. Note here what a great commendation is given him. Joseph is a centurion, or a senator, and that an honest senator. He did sit in the council-house and amongst these judges which condemned Christ, but because he consented not with them he is excused, guiltless from the blood. The same also is notified to be a good man and just, in the number of them which looked for the kingdom of God, that is, in the number of Christians, and for all this was he yet a centurion, or a senator, and dwelled in the city of Jerusalem. A Christian, therefore, lawfully may bear office. Here, too, may be brought examples of the Queen's Chamberlain of Ethiopia, Actum 8, of Cornelius the centurion, Actum 10, of Erastus the warden, or steward, of the city of Corinth, Romans 16 to Timothy 4. But I would, the Anabaptists, would prove that, with Scripture, which they object, that these being converted, after, did lay down their robe and sword. For we have proved it before, by St. Augustine's word upon the answer of John Baptist to the soldiers, which was also a Christian preacher, that after they were baptized, yet notwithstanding, were not deposed from their office, neither had any such commandment of John to forsake their warfare. And other objection they have, because the Lord did withdraw himself, What time the people intended to make him king? Which thing he would not have done, but to give example to all Christians of humility, and to command in a manner never to suffer any public administration to be put upon them. To this they add the sayings of the gospel, My kingdom is not of this world. Item, the kings of the earth reign over them, but you do not so. Truth it is, the Lord avoided the people. But how following the way that was not right? neither intending to do the will of God, but blinded with carnal effects, and seeking such things as were pertaining to belly cheer. For because he fed them wonderfully, therefore they thought him a meat king for their purpose, which could feed his subjects with much fare and no cost. Besides this our Lord came not to bear rule in earth after the fashion of this world as the Jews imagined, thinking that Messiah should come like Solomon, here to reign, and as Pilate feared." Therefore said the Lord, Well, my kingdom is not of this world, for he ascended up to heaven, sitteth on the right hand of the Father, having all kings subjected to him, and all the world, in the which now he reigneth by his word and spirit, which also he shall come to judge at the last day. And although Christ denieth his kingdom to be of this world, yet he never denied but that kings and princes of the world should come into his church, in the which they should serve the Lord not only as men, but as kings and princes. For kings cannot serve the Lord as kings, otherwise than by exercising that wherefore they be made kings, and unless Christian kings might remain in their office and govern kingdoms after their rule and laws of Christ, how could Christ be called the King of kings and Lord of lords? Therefore, where the Lord said, The kings of the earth do reign over them, but you do not so, he spake this only to his apostles, striving for superiority, as though he would say, Princes ranging in the world, be not put down from their thrones and seats by my doctrine. Another objection they have, because the Lord did withdraw himself, for my doctrine doth not abolish policy, office, nor magistrate in the world, or in the church. The magistrate shall reign, but you not so, you shall not reign, ye shall be not princes, but teachers of the world, and servants of the church. Thus in few words have we answered to the objections of the Anabaptists, which we have confuted also in other places. Hitherto I think it sufficiently declared that a Christian man not only may, but ought also to bear rule and office, if it be rightfully offered unto him. But before we knit up this disputation, we will touch now briefly what is the office of subjects, what every one oweth to his magistrate. First it is the part of subjects to have a reverent and honourable estimation of their princes and powers, and so to reverence them as God's messengers and ministers." also outwardly to exhibit such homage unto them, as every man's country requireth. It is a foul thing if subjects unreverently should behave themselves to their magistrates. But a false and a light opinion, once conceived of anything, doth soon bring a contempt of the same. Therefore here be to be gathered certain open testimonies of the Scripture, whereby to engender into every man's mind a due estimation and reverence towards his magistrate here now all princes and superstitious must take heed lest through their unseemable and dissolute life they bring themselves into contempt and so by their own default lose all their authority amongst the people truly god himself disdaineth not to call princes and rulers by his own proper name even gods the places be exodus twenty one and psalm eighty two the apostles called them the messengers and ministers of god the places be romans thirteen one peter two WHO WILL NOT MAGNIFY WITH ALL REVERENCE GOD'S, AND GOD'S MINISTERS, THROUGH WHOM HE WORKETH SALVATION TO THE PEOPLE. HE THAT REJECTETH THE MESSENGER REJECTETH HIM WHICH SENT HIM. WHOSO HONOURETH THE MESSENGER seemeth TO BESTOW HIS HONOUR MOST UPON THE SENDER. ALSO SAITH SOLOMON, PROVERBS 16, DIVINATION IS IN THE LIPS OF THE KING, THEREFORE HIS HEART DOTH NOT TRANSGRESS. AND Ecclesiastes 8, IT IS MY PART TO OBSERVE THE COMMANDMENT OF THE KING, AND TO HAVE REGARD TO THE OATH OF GOD item proverbs 24 my child fear god and fear thy king and keep no resort with these slanderers for their perdition shall rise quickly Saint paul likewise whosoever saith he resisteth the higher powers resisteth god's ordination and they which shall resist that shall receive to themselves judgment concerning this matter i have entreated also upon the fifth commandment Then let the subjects pray for the princes and magistrates, that God may grant them sapience, prudence, fortitude, temperance, justice, due severity, meekness, and other virtues, to lead them in his ways, and preserve them from all evil, that we may live peaceably and honestly in this world. This doth St. Paul require of his subjects, 1 Timothy 2 and Jeremiah 29. Many be slothful and negligent in this part, and that maketh them some time to be pinched, and feel that they would not, and worthily, for if they would do their duty in praying for their magistrates earnestly, they should have better. In the old church, what a fervent study they had to pray for their magistrate, the words of Tertullianus. In his Apology, chapter 30, doth well declare, saying, Let us pray always for all rulers and kings and emperors, that they may have long life, a quiet reign, a safe house, valiant soldiers, faithful counsellors, honest subjects, a peaceable world, and whatsoever man or emperor or king would have obtained. Subjects also ought to obey the laws of magistrates, if they be good and equal, and so to obey them, that it be with all holy reverence and hearty religion, as obeying not the laws of men, but of God's ministers. For Peter biddeth us be obedient for the Lord. And Paul saith subjects must be obedient not only for displeasure, but also for conscience' sake that is, we must obey our magistrates not only for fear lest we be punished for contempt and disobedience, but lest we sin against God and our own conscience condemn us. We declared before in the fifth commandment, by diverse testimonies and examples of scripture, that we be not bound to obey the commandment of magistrates in things unlawful and against the word of God. The apostles and Christians of the primitive church, who would rather be imprisoned, banished, spoiled, devoured of beasts, slain with sword, burnt with fire, and hanged, than to obey wicked and unlawful commandments. The blessed martyr and bishop Polycarpus, answering to the under-consul of Rome, said, Our doctrine is, saith he, to princes and powers such as be of God, to give honour, such honour as is not contrary to the rule of our religion. And John Chrysostom, to Gainem, said, It is not lawful for an emperor, which is the maintainer of godliness, to attempt anything against the commandments of God. Finally, subjects, let them give to the magistrate tribute, yea, their bodies and life also, when need is, for the defence of their magistrate and country, as I declared in the fifth commandment, the Lord expressly commandeth in the gospel, give to God those things which are God's, and to the emperor the things which are the emperor's, whosoever be slack, niggardly, or anything drawing back in this part, they be greatly to be reproved, tributes be due to the magistrate as the reward of his labour, and as the sinew of public utility and quietness. For what man ever goeth to war upon his own charge and stipend, every man liveth upon his labor which he sustaineth. The magistrate doth labor, the prince doth labor in governing the commonwealth and keeping peace. He omitteth his own private business at home, whereby else he might provide for himself. Therefore it were against all reason if he should not be maintained with public charges. Also it is requisite that kingdoms and public wheels, be well appointed, with sufficient riches, to aid them withal in wars, in dearth, in fires, and other calamities, in reparations, or in repelling of greater dangers. Here I speak nothing now of public buildings, as of keeping up the walls, fortresses, trenches, ditches, havens, brigs, byways, fountains, condoths, the court hall, the marketplace, with many other. There be also public officers of justice, as sergeants, Herods of armies, watchmen, and diverse such more. whereas, if money be not present, how can any kingdom and commonwealth stand long? Therefore they which deny tribute deny the due stipend of men's labor, yea, and seek the subversion of the commonwealth. They which be slack and unlustful in public labors and works do sin not against one ruler, but against the whole body of the commonality. And commonly it is so seen such listels and lither laborers little to be blessed of God and seldom to thrive." Yet magistrates and princes here must be advertised, to love their subjects committed to their faith and tuition, to spare them as gently as they can to bear with them, and not to pinch them with too importunate exactions. This may be done, if they will be temperate, and abstain from all superfluous excess and pride. Let a good prince thus consider himself, how unequal it is for his court to overflow all, with all excess and superfluity, and all his other cities and subjects to be pinched by the belly at home. Let rulers of realms remember tributes, taxes, and customs to be public and not private goods. God hateth pollers and extortioners. God abhorreth unmeasurable exactions, taxes, or tolls. God doth execrate tyrannies, still piling the people. He doth bless gentle and moderate princes. The just concord of subjects, availeth more in peace and out of peace than money unjust, and stronger is the realm with less abundance and more concord betwixt the superiors and inferiors than with infinite treasures where magistrates and subjects do not agree. This is no lie, common experience testifieth the same. Thus much, good audience, have I entreated concerning magistrates, upon the occasion of the sixth commandment, Thou shalt not kill, declaring as briefly as I could under your charitable audience, why magistrates be ordained of God, what is their duty to their subjects, what is the duty of subjects to them. Now let us prostrate our supplication to God, that of his clemency, he will so grant both to the magistrates and to the subjects, that they may both walk worthy to their vocation. God grant. Amen. If you enjoyed this recording, please support our channel by subscribing, liking, and sharing our content. We would also be happy to receive any comments or feedback below.